have to talk a lot about failure in art because there's there's so many failures that happen that you know it's it's a part of it and at this point like i'm not scared to fail anymore i don't want to but like shit i just keep it moving you know you might fail but if it doesn't have a a chance to fail then it, it might not be art Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group, where we discuss topics from the shows. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page. And while you're there, check out the new artwork I've been creating. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support my art and the Art and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Just search Taylor Gallegos Art. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I am your host, Taylor Gallegos, and with me today is uh, a good friend of mine from the past, uh, from art school at Colorado State University. Uh, This gentleman is an artist with uh, various different directions that he takes it. He's based in Denver, Colorado. This is uh, Brandon Bullard. Brandon, thanks for being on the show. Thank thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it. Definitely. Definitely. And we've tried this a couple times now. Like you were one of the first to give it a run when I when this idea was like just a baby stage. I had no idea what I was doing, and we recorded one, and it didn't end up working out. But uh, now you're here, and I'm stoked to have you on. Hey, there we go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's art, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, all right. Why don't you start by telling us who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, and what it is that you do. All right. Well, 
like you said earlier, Brandon Bullard. I'm an artist based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, grew up mostly here in Denver, although I've lived in California, Arizona, a little bit in Kansas City, Chicago, uh, Berlin, and a little, little bit of time in Florida as well. Um, been all over. Started my art career here in Denver as a painter, I suppose it'd be classified with my activities back then. I did a lot of portrait paintings and landscape kind of stuff. Really was in love with it, did it all the time, decided to go um, pursue an internship at an art gallery in Denver called Lou's Gallery. It's no longer there, but I learned kind of some of the ins and outs of the gallery world and was fascinated by that and jumped off and went to the Kansas City Art Institute and I was, I don't know, maybe 20 years old or so when I did that and spent a year over there, um, learned out, just uh, found out that it just kind of wasn't, you know, for my budget, although I loved the school, super intense studies, surrounded by tons of creatives, but just didn't quite make the fast, the deadlines and all that stuff. I was just young and doing whatever. And after that, I ended up at Colorado State University to continue my studies in painting. And uh, that's that's where we met. And at Colorado State, did a lot of the same kind of portrait, some landscape. Got a little bit into creating like art shows as well. I produced beauty art music at the Aggie Theater down there, which was like live painting, fashion shows, you know, just like a whole goulage of creative stuff. Uh, donated those proceeds to the museum out there, um, Fort Collins Museum of Art, I think it might be called now, not sure. Um, after that, I did my little stint in Berlin, tried to uh, make an art space business out in Berlin. So I moved out there with a backpack and hopes and dreams <laughs> and uh, spent three months out there, loved it. Tried to go back again to like really solidify a business, but ended up choosing the wrong lawyer. So be careful if you ever go to a foreign country and you need lawyers to help you formulate articles of association and things like that, because if you catch the wrong one, everything can go sour. But spent three, three months there again, nonetheless, and had a great time and was all the better for it after I returned. Returned back to Denver. But then I'm probably, I don't know, 28 or so, you know, I'm making installations. My, my kind of interest turned toward installation art and environments and spaces and kind of conveying meaning within those spaces. And did a number of installations for, uh, you know, businesses and projects, um, the show for the Denver Art Museum, you know, was really enjoying the stride and the scope of installation work and decided to go get a master's. And this time I was going to study fiber. So <laughs> I did what was called a post back at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and spent a year there. Uh, it was it was great. Tons of inspiration, great facilities, you know, resources, all those kind of things that go with it. And 
got turned toward Cranbrook Academy of Art toward the end of my postback studies and went to Cranbrook Academy of Art where I found just the whole world of, of creatives that are just kind of doing whatever strike their fancy at Cranbrook. There were no classes. You made your own curriculum, made your own show and schedule and studied the things you were interested in. So I continued installation art, but also kind of got into um, working with businesses to kind of create bigger projects. Um, and that was, that was kind of a defining thing for, for my studies there was, you know, where, where does art meet business? You know, when you don't have the resources to get something done, like how do you do it and, you know, get people on board with, with your mission. So I did some work with Mercedes, had a show at the Detroit Museum of Contemporary Art for like a voting work. I was collaborating with another, another artist with, and uh, yeah, yeah, by the end, I kicked off my thesis work with a big eight by eight foot uh, Rubik's cube of, of clothes. So I welded the steel frame of steel frame Rubik's cube and wove a bunch of clothes in it to like mimic a Rubik's cube. It was kind of commentary like on the fashion world and just like how complex it could be. And, like, you know, it's like the, everybody's involved with it, but it's just kind of like the big giants that can really make moves to like either, you know, um, deduce labor responsibilities on people, you know, short pay, bad conditions, fast fashion, you know, all those kind of things are thrown into it. Plus a whole nother world of like industry of like farming and oil and, you know, all the other things that also fuel all of that. Uh, did that, had a great time. Um, continued kind of installation work for a number of years thereafter. Um, yeah, and found myself back in Denver after a short trip to San Jose to uh, do display arts for a, a clothing business out there. And so I was doing the windows, creating all the, creating all the fixtures and, you know, hanging the assets and just being kind of the creative eye and hand of the, of the store, which, you know, was, was great insight to just kind of so many more ways to, to make and then how that kind of collides with, with commerce and industry and business. Yeah, and I find myself here today kind of doing a lot of the same things, still interested in, in installation, but also making paintings and sometimes uh, doing upholstery and kind of other objects that that are in kind of the design world, more or less. Wow. Yeah, it's cool how it, it's like painting is kind of a through line for you. And then the fabric stuff and installation is this like sort of three-dimensional exploration that you go through, through time. And then the, the way that it interacts with commerce, it's nice that it, it does that because like paintings and, you know, a lot of kinds of art don't necessarily interact and integrate with commerce, with business, as well as like the installation elements. I mean, anywhere we go, like you walk through in any airport or like you go through any like city center, you're going to see things that 
maybe we all just kind of take for granted, but like some artist made that someone came up with that idea. They designed it. They like had to, you know, get it, the design approved and then the construction of it and all the things. And, um, it's pretty cool. Somebody made everything. <laughs> Somebody made everything. Yeah. There's designers and artisans all over the place. It's, it's kind of my, uh, kind of my point of view that they make the world go round in my mind you know the artists and the designers are you know or what's making cultural leaps and bounds you know in, in a lot of things and um yeah we're just we're indispensable though very few people know that <laughs> right well no i think very few people do know that a lot of people you, you tell that you're an artist and they're like really I didn't know artists existed in real life. <laughs> right. Well, do you have another job or like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, right. It's always gotta be like your side hustle and there's like something else that brings money in. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the art, especially the art that you're doing is, um, you know, it's for like major companies and like public situations. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting realm when like art hits the public, you know, d depending on where it is. You know, for for instance, I I think uh, the summer before last created a mural in Omaha, Nebraska, and I visited this site. was in, was invited by a gallery that was out there to like create work, and they they found a where I scouted locations with them, found something that was interesting to me, but I was kind of more or less looking in and around the city, like seeing what other public artworks were there, you know, if, if people of color were represented or, you know, if they were talking about certain issues and things and decided to, to bring a mural that was more Muslim focused because I saw no Muslim representation whatsoever in that community and i'm like oh i'm gonna make an artwork that you know has has a muslim as, as the focal point of the work and kind of you know melded it with uh, art nouveau kind of style which was it was it was fun 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 project and a lot of people really responded positively to that you know to kind of see a person in you know his job like traditional muslim garb you know it's, it's not something that pops up on the wall every day so you know art art can do so many different things and it's really interesting to, to see like how you're infusing your iconography with the current culture and where that current culture is perhaps lacking in some way or the other yeah and i mean i i've never been to omaha but i would assume that not everybody is putting paintings of like a person with a Muslim background up on the walls in a public place. So it's just not, I wouldn't think it would be that diverse there, you know? Yeah. And so then like, is that a shock to the system for some people? Is it like, um, but I'm sure that there's plenty of Muslims that live there that are probably like, probably really like honored that, you know, you're showing them. Yeah, their culture, their background. There is a surprising amount of Muslims that live in Omaha. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was even, uh, you know, doing some of the legwork 
for the mural, you know, going out and shopping and, and gaining things. It's like I was uh, was having Muslims like in in the same cash register queue, and I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like, oh yes, fuck yeah, like I'm making an artwork that like is a part of your culture, and I'm yeah. seeing it nowhere else in the city, and you know, I don't stop them and, and say these things. You know, you just move forward with a with a quiet step, but yeah. You know, when you notice things like that, art can be very political and it should be political. I mean, being an artist is is almost a political act, you know, going against the counterculture of, you know, climbing corporate ladders and finding your place within a business and, you know, doing your job and keeping your head down. Or artists like to make a fuss and they like to take risks, you know, yeah. that won't necessarily get them to that american dream that has been kind of so put out there by by media you know you put on your suit and your tie and you play your traditional role or you become a doctor or a lawyer or these money-making things a business manager like it's it's very rare that they're like oh yeah become an artist that's a way to to financial security <laughs> but it's often a way to uh to a happy life though i found yeah yeah, and it seems like you can do if you do it right, you can do it all. You can find that financial security. It's not it doesn't come as easily or as direct or anything as many jobs, but yeah, for some it comes faster than others, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's life. Yeah. And uh and so are are you Muslim? I am not. No. Okay, so what inspired that? Were you just feeling like that's what it needed? Yeah, I mean, after visiting the site, you know, doing installation art made me very aware of like a site and the things going on around a site, you know, the culture that's contributing to it, that's surrounding it, you know, there are factors in whatever, you know, happens at a particular location in a particular place in a particular city, you know, and so I, I visited this city, Omaha, and and kind of like looking around at different sites and also noting the culture, what I'm seeing. And it was just a discrepancy for me to like be seeing all these Muslims, but seeing no, you know, Islamic art or anything in that vein. Yep. You know, so that's, that was kind of the, the political stopping point for me to be like, all right, here's an action that needs to happen, whether most people know it or not, like it's something I'm noticing. Yeah, I think as a minority, I'm acutely aware of of things that, particularly a mixed race minority, you know, half black, half white. Um, you know, I see both sides of the fence and can relate to them both. And then I also see others. Um, and currently, I'm working on a large mural project that is going to highlight Native American murals at a major park in Denver, Colorado. Although I'm going through the proposal stages at this point, if all goes through, then I've got kind of two heavy hitters in the Denver community that are ready to come to this site, you know, and make some Native American based murals. But at this point, it's like murals is something I want to do. Um, you know, the, the content, something I'm interested in, but I don't even think I'm the right messenger for you know, like the large highlighting points of it. 
And so that's that's like kind of, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier on the podcast, that's like kind of why I'm moving toward conceptual art. It's like you can have an idea, but you know, sometimes there's problematic areas within a concept, you know? So for me to go make all these Native American murals, what does it mean for somebody who's not even Native American or have any connection to the Americas outside of, you know, my immediate family, for me to go and like make art about that, like, you know, it's, it's much better for, you know, these people that have put in their blood, sweat, tears, and, you know, cultural kind of uh, labor to like be the, at the forefront of it. Um, so yeah, this is, this is an interesting project where I want to see something happen, but although I have got the idea, I'm not the best vehicle for it necessarily when it comes to the the paint hitting the canvas and the ideas getting told. Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. And then from, I mean, now from your perspective as a minority, half black, half white man in this world, what, is, what are the ways that your art is speaking the things that you're feeling and seeing from that perspective? I mean, and I've, I've heard you talk plenty about it in the past and on different things, but tell the audience. Uh, it's kind of a funny thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a drama filled person. No. Um, I'm not one to really let my feelings be known. I kind of, you know, compartmentalize, compartmentalize a lot of like feelings and it, it rarely comes out in my art where I'm like super emotionally passionate about a thing and I create art. Oftentimes I'm more intellectually curious or passionate about a thing and, and that comes through. Um, the last time I made a piece that was like from the heart was like in grad school. When I was, when I was out in grad school at Cranbrook, I had two friends of mine that passed away and both happened to be from Denver that I met in Denver but by coincidence both were from detroit and their bodies were coming back to detroit and so i had the opportunity and, and they were like one right after the other within a month period of time like i go to one friend's funeral i go to the other friend's funeral and i was just like so overwhelmed by black clothes you know like being around all the people mourning and the ritual of wearing black that I had to make a work about my grief and use black clothes as the vehicle to like convey that meaning. And so what I did is I outfitted my studio with, with an architectural warp, so to say, like I, I wove or, or created a warp on the walls and the ceiling of my studio and created like a whole kind of a, a room out of woven black clothes. And it was like, really interesting that when you get that many black clothes which i resourced at that time from uh God, who was that salvation army donated 2500 pounds of, of black clothes for me to realize this project wow. so i go to the warehouse and i sort it and i grab all the most interesting black clothes that i can and then i weave them into my studio only to find out that after it happened it's like the smell of that accumulation of like a certain material you know, it had like almost this hospital, uh, you could probably even say thrift store 
it just had a very human smell. And then while I'm, <clears throat> while I'm like physically weaving those clothes in, you know, some clothes just came from, I could tell were just donated the other day because I still smelled like perfume or, you know, cologne while other clothes were like, you know, musky and, you know, had that BO on them. And then there's like the black baby clothes. And like, there was like, you could like almost feel the identity of like all these people, you know, through the, the memory with, within the material and like coming in contact with it. It was just like such an emotional story. I just, I like broke down and I've never cried like making artwork, but like I kind of cried like dealing with all those emotions. Um, I forget what the root of the question is, but that was the last time I, I made something like truly from the heart where I needed to get something off my chest and artwork was the only way to do it. And so I made this gesture about like building a mourning site, you know, a grotto of sorts or for my friends. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a really um, like cathartic experience for you where it's like, you know, like the expression of the art is actually the expression of the emotion and the experience. And um, it's interesting how like pr different projects, especially like uh, installation or three-dimensional stuff like that, where you're using different materials, the material takes on such a life of its own or like adds such an impact to the artwork that um, the experience of building it, creating it, doing it, showing it, smelling it, all those things. It's like, it becomes this like added dimension to the project that you didn't have in mind at first, but it's almost like, like what I'm hearing is from those different pieces of clothes. It's almost like those are past lives that people had uh, before, you know, lives that you'll never meet, but have existed and left their residue on this, this plane of existence. And then you're experiencing it and you know kind of like like when people pass they're like still there but not mm -hmm. and, um there's just a lot of layers that can happen yeah this the smell of your grandparents house it's like yeah you smell something similar to that like you, you're transported there immediately another phenomenon that i didn't mention in the ones earlier was also the acoustics of all those clothes when you entered that room a normal voice just became it's like you'd, you would be talking normal but it would sound like this because sound wasn't bouncing off of anything like and that was like god that piece was so powerful and like literally I, so many people cried like at least a handful of people i got to witness like cry going through their own grief witnessing that and being in all those conditions you know dampened acoustics smell even even the temperature rose when you're inside because of all that insulation. Yeah. And so it just like brought this like physical grief to people. And um, yeah, and some of these things need to be discovered, you know? Right. Sometimes you don't always make something with these things in mind, but as soon as you make the first thing and that happens, then you're you're hyper aware of of you know things that can happen that can cause conditions and, and kind of un unintended consequences or if you're ahead of the game intended consequences but but you have to like go through the process to learn that those are consequences and then 
you can use them in future projects. But as you're going along and you're trying these new things, like there's no way that you could know that that's going to happen. And then it does. It's like, oh, this is really cool. Or, ooh, I didn't mean for that to happen. Kind of wish it didn't. But either way, it's like a learning process. Uh, and that's part of part of the artistic growth. Yeah. That's yeah, it. It's like Jackson Pollock accidentally, you know, dripping some paint on a canvas for the first time and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden he goes drip crazy and breaks art. So Greenberg says. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, like happy accidents. Now, one thing that we talked about last uh, on one of the last recordings that we did was you, you kind of you dove into the concept of like fabric and how it brings like historical context and it can bring in like just by using a certain kind of fabric it'll like bring all of these different elements to it like history culture where it's from like all these these different things it's that that was a really cool thing to hear you go off about yeah yeah you want me to kind of yeah do that again dude do some more of like i i guess all right so i'm gonna switch gears and point to this uh podcast i've been listening to called dissect on spotify it's by cole kushna i think and he he loves to he loves the hell out of dissecting kanye west and current in his current season he's he's con he's dissecting kanye west's um god what, what's the album uh yeezus and there's a, a track in there called new slaves and if you don't know much about kanye west he is given his all to become a fashion designer and like in the fashion world and like, you know, being all about it and, and noticing that there weren't any other like black people or voices in the room and the places he was, you know, getting to and yada, yada, yada. But in New Slaves, he's, he was equating <clears throat> like the fashion monsters, you know, the fast fashion people of the world like um and and like the commerce and um just buying of things is like picking cotton which was like a mind-blowing thing like like people are now becoming financial assets in and they're picking cotton but they're picking like the new designs because they got to be like on top of the trends and then like all the kind of things that are like in that world i thought it was an amazing analogy that i didn't quite hear you know just on my normal listen through of like Jesus. although yeah. I, I heard the album i just didn't didn't uh internalize it quite that well you know so that, yeah there's things like that where you know you got this global economy around, around fashion and, and not only are the people that are producing the products because there is no automation of sewing. Like you can't put a t-shirt through a machine. Machines just aren't dexterous enough to like know how to sew. So everything that you have with stitches in it is handmade, you know, from your car seats to the shirt you're wearing, you know, it's, it's all, it's all handmade. And, um, you know, so there's, there's extortion of, of the labor and the economy, you know, cheap labor, make these products and there's the extortion of the keep up with the joneses 
you know, and you're, you're also kind of like a new slave, quote unquote, by like picking cotton and picking threads just to keep up, you know, with being hit. And if you can do that, then your chances of survival and reproduction are better because you may <laughs> think you're hot. Like, you know, so it's like, you know, textiles and all that industry is just hitting on so many levels. It's just, it's mind blowing. And it's, wow. it's, it wasn't, it wasn't really until I decided through installation art, it was like to check out the fiber world and, and to get a master's in fiber and start reading, you know, extensively on a lot of different topics. I, you know, it's, I, I came out of the thing kind of like I, Albert Einstein, where he's like, if I know anything, I know nothing. You know, you just, you're there and you discover like the world is so vast and there's so many facets that like, you're just lucky to even learn little bits and pieces and and continue yeah. those on your journey yeah totally yeah and there's got to be i mean fabrics have come from all different corners of the planet i'm assuming there's probably different techniques to make different things that were you know and different dyes and different everything that's oh man you want to talk about that check out some videos about like making blue jeans in india they have these huge vats and the, you know, it's probably like Levi's or something where it's indigo vats and like literally like people put the indigo, they put the indigo dye in the vat and people jump into the huge vat and move it around with their legs. to like sift all the, the cloth to like let the dye absorb, but it absorbs in their skin and they For like sure. literally turn blue. Like they are like Smurfs, like, literal smurfs like blue indigo people and these are the people that dye jeans and like indigo products and it's like i mean if, if, when you go and buy your 501s if you have like a little picture like right next to your 501s of like one of these people that actually dyed your fucking jeans yeah and to realize their whole skin is blue and you've never seen a blue person in your whole life, like an indigo blue person, like it's, 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 it would be shocking. And I, I, I think people would have a different look. I'm like, exactly how your clothes are being produced and like, you know, the extent that other people around the world are going to, to like make them. Yeah. It's so, it's so tough because a lot of people just don't know about any of those things. And I didn't know about it until a friend of mine like helped me become aware of the concept. She was, her name is Fern. She was on the podcast last season and um, she's in the, she's a designer at Prana or she was. And anyway, she, she told me about fast fashion and how that worked. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this whole thing is, is just this like giant, terrible machine. Like, and it's just using people and resources and like poisoning, you know, like like poisoning waterways because they're just like dumping these like used dyes into the rivers. And yeah. of course they're like these big companies are exploiting the poorest countries, poorest areas of the world. And the people that turn blue, they're like, they just need a job and want to feed their kids. And, and, then, and then there's the, if you want to re rewind a little bit in American history, like what started all of that? And one thing that I talked to a lot of people that I just happened to skim by it, like perchance, uh, this documentary on BBC about Edward Bernays. 
who is known as the quote unquote godfather of PR. Oh. And was working for presidents like a, in his early 20s. He was like advising them on like how to manipulate uh, spin, maybe might be a better word, like certain circumstances that they were going through. Um, but Edward Bernays had a little known uh, uncle, I think, or something, family member by the name of Sigmund Freud. Yeah. And, and before Sigmund Freud became popular, Edward Bernays was learning about what Sigmund Freud was doing and learning how to take, um, you know, these like unchecked desires of people and how to infuse them into, into products to like make them want them. Uh, one of the things he's well known for is like getting women to smoke. And he, at the, at the time, like women didn't smoke. And so to the cigarette companies, like half of the market was just gone. So Edward talks to his, his uh, family member, Siegmund, and Siegmund says, oh, they're an extension of the penis and yada, yada, yada you know whatever if, if it's true or not but he makes this whole campaign you know and has this pr event at this like big parade where these ladies pull these cigarettes out of their garter belts and say they're they have torches of freedom and so he's like tying you know with the with the phallus and the freedom and the masculinity and like you know the power he's like putting all those things in front of cameras that then go into a newspaper that get pumped out to tons and tons of people and then all of a sudden women start smoking the markets cracked open but edward also worked for a number of fashion people and you know is is, is a large contributor to people using clothes and cars and objects as extensions of their personality extensions of their wealth and signifiers of their their class and status yeah. um, and that's yeah that's that's all behind the fast fashion it's you know, all those other subconscious things as well totally totally just uh you know manipulating all the people to try to get them to buy some things buy a lot of things <laughs> right yeah so watch that uh watch that documentary on bbc about edward bernays it's 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 fascinating <laughs> There we go. But anyways, back to art. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's art. That's art right there. Yeah, art is culture. Culture is art. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and it's cool. I mean, and so is history. And I like that the historical element comes into that. And how is it like, you know, with your understanding of fabrics, like do you, when you watch period piece movies, are you like geeking out on stuff like that and like how they present things, like what people are wearing and do you take note is that interesting to you at all i guess i don't i don't fully know like the history histories of like where things are coming from an artist that i appreciate that does that though is uh inka shonabara will make like these colonial he's like a british artist makes these you know colonial garments that have all kinds of signifiers in them you know the subversive signifiers that like until you like kind of get the history explained to you, you like never really would have known it was there um i appreciate stuff like that and you know i've, I've got a very base level 
on the histories. I, I like to geek out about Peruvian textiles and weaving because, you know, they use like these heirlooms that like attach to objects and they're sitting back and, you know, they themselves are the loom. And like, well, wow. it seems like a very personal thing. Um, and not like a, a jacquard loom, which is like pumping out images and all kinds of, of, of data, data-driven textiles, which surprisingly, it's like Ada Lovelace was one of the major contributors to the jacquard loom, which like revolutionized not only the weaving world, but was also known as the first computer. Uh, the first like computer was a jacquard loom and it used these cards that you insert into the jacquard loom and they have punch holes in them, you know, a hole to accept, you know, a, a read or a, whatever it is that goes, goes through it. And, um, you know, and there's no hole for a negative. And so that's, that, that's basically a, a bit system, zeros and ones, zeros and ones, zeros and ones. And like, it's, it's funny to think that weaving was the first computer. Like, where did that come from? You know, it's the first time you could store data in a in a in an object, right? Which then led to yeah, like the beginning of computers with those cards that they put in, and mm -hmm. uh, wow, that's interesting. So arguably, the first computer programmer was a female. <laughs> there we go. Which these days, uh, I don't think that's quite the culture. But yes, there are a lot of female computer yep. programmers, but. You know, you watch like the Facebook movie or something and they're doing like their little hazing, you know, trials. There weren't a whole lot of ladies like no. slamming beers and like overcoming the elements, you know, to like make it happen. It seemed like kind of a bro space. Like, yep. yep. Kind of like a, uh, like a nerd bro space. <laughs> yeah. Nerd bro space. Nerd out there. We're on. <laughs> uh, all right. Well. I think it's time to switch gears into the question section. You ready for that? Yeah, shoot. Okay. Is, did you say it's like concept or question? No, that's gonna be part two. We'll get to that. No, that'll be part two. This is the just four questions that I ask everybody. So the first question is, uh, what would you say your breakthrough moment was? And maybe there wasn't one, maybe there were two or three, but like, like the, the moment where you went all in with like you as an artist and who you are um i'd have to say that came and i'd say there's a number of we're not going to call them breakthroughs but we're going to call them break points <laughs> like, all right it's like, you know because i'm still in it i'm not through it like i'm still in this whole thing like moving around um i'd have to say in high school there was a mural contest when I was living in Flagstaff um, between the three high schools in Flagstaff. And, and uh, I submitted my idea for this mural that was gonna get put up in the local gym or whatever. Ended up getting first place and like, you know, thought that was sweet. But then was also introduced to the art world where even though I got first place, they decided to splice my my uh, iteration with second and third place 
<laughs> make a goulash and then throw it up you know because in high school there's you don't want winners and losers like you want a lot of a lot of appreciated people sure <laughs> it's kind of like my introduction to like you know like oh yeah i could you know maybe apply myself to this you know to my passion in, in a different way and like go somewhere with it but at the same time politics might nip you in the butt like <laughs> uh, there was there was that and then um i would i would have to say another kind of realization moment um was when i did a installation for a reality tv show and that's like kind of how it was presented to me like oh we, we're, we're setting up this reality tv show set it's in uh broomfield colorado um why don't you come check out the site you know see what you think so i go there and they're like oh we kind of want like a thread because i was doing thread installations at the time we want an installation like a pool room and then like this other like uh you know like loft area and then like one in the master bedroom and i'm like okay i insert survey the site think it's all great super excited about it make a you know installation over a pool in an indoor pool room it's kind of fun and we use like black lights and lasers to like trick it all out <laughs> like after like on, on like day kind of like two of like being on site i kind of realized there was something different about this site like it wasn't it wasn't your average reality tv show and I, I came to learn that this this uh this patron or this uh commissioner was trying to be the first reality tv show to enter uh, the gay porn market or even the pornography market in general. Like it was the first like pornography based reality TV show. <laughs> like where we're like all the like all the porn models like come to you know this house that's all tricked out. You know, my friend David did all the design work and it just looked great. And uh, you know, they make you know all the drama in and around this thing. And uh, you know, I, I learned I learned a lot. <laughs> about the porn industry <laughs> like about like about this uh you know this show i was doing it for it was called broke straight boys is like it's like one of the largest gay porn like sites in the world <laughs> it's made by this guy mark who was like one of the first to monetize the internet before before banks were even like having bank accounts online mark entered the field and like made a number of like porn sites where like you, you paid for the porn and like he was like one of the first to like ties in a huge way and like <laughs> ended, up, ended up becoming like an industry leader and like doing all these like great things for himself um and his, his story his story was like fascinating and kind of like tugged at your heart when you learn that like he lost his ability to walk when he was like young and he came from like a trailer park and you know he's like really kind of built himself up you know self-made man you know despite all odds like he fucking became the best in the world at 
that thing like and so wow. so it took me to there so there was another kind of like through point it wasn't like a breakthrough but like all right well art can also lead you into some very interesting places <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> and you're gonna meet communities that like you had no idea you were going to meet yeah uh, i think another happened when i did uh an installation for mercedes-benz financial services who had a partnership with cranbrook academy of art to like make an art show every year but never before had they made an installation a site-specific work and so I proposed the site-specific work as my work. And what I wanted to do was reappropriate uh, expired materials, like waste that was coming out of their offices. And so I worked with the communications team and we identified some assets that were expiring. And, you know, they sent them in from Georgia, North Carolina, up to Detroit. And I just had like this huge thing of, of, of um, materials to work with. And, uh, made an installation right outside of the executive offices and kind of like the waiting lounge there. And while I was doing it over a week, like all the employees would be like stopping by to like see what was going on because, you know, they never really get to see the artwork get, be, be created. So, right. you know, it's like I got to share those experiences with the employees and, and um, you know, that, that turned into, I think, one of, if not one of the largest um facebook kind of campaigns that they had for their business company like it just it blew up on their facebook and just like reached all their employees and then some and so you know they they came back the next year and was like oh we want to commission you for a permanent work but it gave me insight that that art can also enter institutions and corporations and, and bring messages into them and kind of, you know, have this immediate authenticity to it just because it's an artist and it's not like always money driven or like, you know, the hearts behind it. And, you know, it's like uh, communities really respond well to that. And so that's, that was kind of another breaking point. And it's something I'm thinking a lot about today. It's like, um, I've got a partner that works in marketing and is like a chief marketing officer and has done all kinds of like huge projects for huge people, like Super Bowl ads and, and things like that. And it's like the budgets that they get are just phenomenal. Like they just like throw everything. Well, it seems like to me and you like everything they have, but it's like a percentage of it. It's just like a huge number. But it, it's it's for marketing purposes, and sometimes they do it like as PR moves. Sometimes they do it as advertising. Sometimes they might want to do it like internally. And it's like I'm really interested these days in all those touch points, like where art is like meeting commerce, meeting marketing, you know, fulfilling roles that you know are hard for businesses to speak to, but artists have um, a more immediate authenticity to their actions and their intentions than otherwise would be produced by, you know, a, a marketing or advertising or PR, you know, guru, you know, they just, they don't come off quite the same to people, so. Right, it's like the artist is sort of the, the human lens that 
the message gets filtered through because otherwise it can feel really like formulaic or really like kind of forced or inauthentic or you know from a big it's like big companies have a hard time connecting like connecting on the individual level and it seems like that's a big push that they're always trying to do and how can you do that is like through the lens of an artist who can express those things for them yeah makes images or sculptures or whatever that speak immediately to people like yep. you know no matter what language they speak like you see something and you get it you feel it like you kind of know what it's about yeah it's it's hard can we can we pause on this subject for one moment sure. i got i gotta leave for just give me give me yep. 20, 20 seconds sure all right sorry sorry and we're back all right next question are we ready for the next one yeah all right so this next question is about flow state also known as being in the zone or you know that special spot that we see athletes get into we you know we artists get into it musicians the creatives of all kinds um and the question is what was a favorite flow state moment that you've experienced in your life oh man it's like every <laughs> a favorite oh man I, I mean i i love them all that's why i keep on coming back it's like it's like art is the flow state is like the hit of of morphine or whatever heroin or whatever synthetic drug you want to uses a euphemism <laughs> or whatever um I, I think it happens with with every project every like really sig most significant projects have that um and if and if it's not achieved then i think a viewer can sense that sense the disconnect with the maker and the object but like there has to be that kind of you know synergy between between the maker and what he's he's making and that complete concentration that complete just no matter what's going on in the world you're able to like zone in and focus on this thing and lose track of time lose track of your back muscles lose track of like so many different things you know when you snap out of it you're just like a crooked because like you've been looking up or in a position for a while yeah you know so I, I, it's i don't have a favorite like it happens with every every significant project or like you know uh, most most projects some projects yeah i just don't hit those flow states and it shows in the artwork and it's just kind of flat so that's what keeps me coming back to art is that flow state it happens every most times most times and yeah I know I that. <laughs> I mean, and it's the best i mean that that is exactly what it's all about uh that experience of it um all right what would be your advice to aspiring creatives from all backgrounds oh man yeah I'm, that's that's a super tough you know, advice is, is something tough to give in the art world because, you know, somebody who splurged on 
the most expensive, prestigious art schools in the United States. Like, yeah, I'd go do it again. <clears throat> but at the same time, I certainly see the value in like not going to art school at all, you know, going the Vincent Van Gogh route and just like connecting with your flow and just doing it because it brings you joy. Um, you know, and then you can also connect with your community and become big, like, you know, not all huge successful artists went to Ivy League schools, although, you know, a good portion of them do and have gone to like institutions. And even the gallery system kind of works that way where a lot of people in like major hard hitting galleries are like all coming from MFAs or like have some kind of art education background. And very few are like kind of slipping through the cracks and like the community's bringing them up to the point that even the art galleries can't deny them because they'd be missing out on money. Like, right. You know, so <clears throat> if, you're, if you're an artist and you want to make it and you, you know, and you have the means to go to, to fancy art schools or you just have the, uh, the, the guts to, you know, give your shot at it, go for it to make it you know going to school is not the only way to make it <laughs> you know you can you can do it i mean sure lady gaga went to juilliard or whatever <laughs> music school she was out there hustling like in the end it wasn't the school that did it for her it was her hustle like <laughs> yeah 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 totally um yeah i mean there's a million ways to go definitely ups your chances of getting into certain places if you have a high level degree but yeah i mean it's 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 a great way to network with people and yeah. you know while i was with those institutions and i wanted to go out and talk to businesses like i was able to leverage that institution yeah. by saying oh i'm a student from this institution like you know and there's like automatically like a trust level there because oh you're you're from the institution okay like you're not like a random person like yeah you know it's and it makes no sense whatsoever because you know but but still i find it not as easy being outside of the institution and like approaching businesses to do this that or the other now i'm just like a joe schmo and i really gotta like up my negotiation skills and my listening skills and like my timing and like so many other things just to make up for what used to be like a one liner oh i'm from blah 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 and then like it would fill in all those gaps yeah yeah i can see that <laughs> yep the life as an independent artist <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's cool because then you don't have you have a little more freedom too um potentially freedom's the same freedom's the same but you know when i when i was going to grad school i early made a point of it not to work i was in the service industry prior to going to grad school and i was like i'm not doing any of that i'm just going to focus take out extra student loans to focus on my studies and just go full bore at it you know all the time i was kind of rewarded with you know uh, shows here, museum shows there, doing stuff in the community. It's like when I was putting full-time effort into my art without concern of like making it to a job, it's just like waking up. And oh, I, I told you the cat was going to make an entrance into the, this is Diana. 
Bless you. Yeah, when I was, I was given a full-time energy, I was getting full-time results, you know, and if you work a part-time job and you do part-time art, you're going to get part-time results from both. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's some good advice right there. I like that. Um, all right. The last question here is what is your definition of art? Yeah. Yeah. Even, even going through, uh, you know, through that traditional route and going to school and studying it. That's, that's still a, a question that like hits me right there. Like, Oh, is there a right answer? I don't think there is. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it would be anything that conveys culture or thought is art. Like, you know, if you can if you can explain kind of cultural phenomena happening, so you're a caveman and you put a bird's head on top of a man's body, and you're like, wait a second, we could we can do both, or at least we can have playtime, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's it's just like that's like a phenomena that was like going on, you know. And it maybe I don't know what came first, the bird head man or the artist that made the bird head man. That could have been like a thing to like, you know, get some kind of dinosaur or some huge bird and like you chop off its head and like you, you wear it on your head, you go running it around and you look super cool. Like that could have been a thing back in the day. And maybe the Birdman artist was like, oh yeah, remember when Tom did that? Like, you know, he drew this thing at Tom on the wall. And then, then the, you know, the archaeologists find it and they're like, oh my God, that's when man realized. He was on drugs, like I don't know, <laughs> you know. So just like anything that that points toward culture, in in one way or the other, whether it's through performance, you know, like a Marina Abramovich, or whether it's through music and tempo, you know, like insert favorite musician there, or you draw, or you sculpt, or you know, maybe you're a poet. You know, if you can if you can convey the zeitgeist or you know some kind of political thing or you know just anything with with cultural relevance and being able to communicate that to to somebody, whether they get it the way you intended it or not, like if they get something out of it, art art does that. Yep. Expressions of culture and and time and like it is when you look at art you can see and feel and understand what was going on there at that time what was like the main focus the idea you know through the concept you can see what the artist was thinking about which is obviously like a microcosm of the macro it's like something that society and culture is going through at that time yeah yeah it all comes, you know, I think a, a big part of the process of doing that is just like organization, whether you're organizing notes or you're organizing lines or you're organizing threads or, you know, I think organization is 
is like an art in and of itself and like patterns and decorations all feed into the organization thing like that's that's kind of like what it is to be human almost it's like organizing things <laughs> yep and, and maintaining things like yeah you know you you don't cut your lawn for like two weeks and all of a sudden you've got you know native grasses growing in your backyard yeah. you know but it's it's the maintenance and organizing and having things just be so you know yeah <laughs> I, I bet you like you might be able to organize those spices in a significant way that your lover would your partner would notice yeah you know <laughs> and, it, and it would have meaning in it like you put all these like certain spices together you organize them next to each other and then you know your partner reads that and like gets a meaning or like knows that like something happened <laughs> like yeah. you know, all of a sudden she becomes the world's greatest detective <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? totally i like that yeah it's kind of and it's cool how like the the organizing and the putting things in place like that goes into the concept before the concept actually is created as an art so it's like it is part of the art it's part and yeah it's definitely part of being a human maintaining all of your stuff <laughs> all of the yeah. all the different elements in your life yeah i've had a visual the like a metaphorical visual of uh life is kind of like you're floating in like an inner tube and there's all these different like tennis balls around you and all the tennis balls represent the different things in your life but there's like a hundred of them around you and you're trying to keep them close to you so like as they all they start to float away you have to grab it and bring it back closer so you're but you're always constantly like grabbing the one that's floating farthest away and some of them are more important than others you know like family friends like you know your relationship all this stuff and then and then other ones you just like you let go and you go yeah. and grab different tennis balls and bring them close yeah art's the one you put in your mouth right that's right you keep that one <laughs> in the inner tube <laughs> no, you put that in your mouth you're like oh yeah. then you got your hands like grab other tennis balls with <laughs> yeah you're not losing that one <laughs> not losing that one yeah. or under your chin maybe like, <laughs> yeah totally oh awesome well uh this is the part of the episode where i thank my guests so brandon thanks for giving me your time and energy again it's much appreciated um it's been awesome watching you go through your artistic journey of life you know like we've been keeping track of each other since like undergrad and you've been making all these cool moves getting into cool places doing great things and um it is awesome yeah we'll appreciate that thank you i'll keep on trying <laughs> I think the next time we talk, I think we have to talk a lot about failure in art because Ooh. there's there's so many failures that happen yeah. that, you know, it's, it's a part of it. And at this point, like, I'm not scared to fail anymore. I don't want to, but like, shit, I just keep it moving. Yeah, You might, you might fail, but if it doesn't have a, a, a chance to fail, then it, it might not be art. <laughs> there it is if it doesn't have a chance to fail it might not be art that's good i like that <laughs> i like that a lot. I, I may have a ghost memory on somebody so you might google something of that phrase and like find somebody that said something similar but that's totally fine that's, that's totally fine <laughs> um all right well where can people follow you 
brandonbullard.com. Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Bullard, B-U-L-L-A-R-D. It doesn't get updated often. I'm, I'm due for an update there. So that reminds me, time to update content. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at iPhotos, E-Y-E-P-H-O-T-O-S. And yeah, that's about my social media tentacle oh. bandwidth at the moment. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's great. Um, all right, sweet. Then this is the end of part one. Can you give the humans one last bit of wisdom for part one? And it doesn't have to be about art. It can be just life in general. Ooh, listening's harder than it seems. <laughs> totally all kinds of things to listen to <laughs> you can listen to words you can listen to people's body language you can listen to time like you can listen to all kinds of things you can what listen you... to the space in between their words yeah sometimes right. or how they say it or you know yeah, yeah. it's like wow listening's hard so so figure out what kind of listening you do best and and work on the ones you don't do as well <laughs> beautiful all right cool all right well we'll be right back again this podcast is brought to you by high ground coffee an adventure coffee brand with a new twist on brewing coffee wherein you steep coffee like it's a tea you just drop a packet in hot water and you go it's the newest way to brew coffee and it's awesome Use coupon code TAYLOR at checkout for 15% off. Visit them at myadventurecoffee.com. That's myadventurecoffee.com. And we are back. Part two, Brandon Bullard. <laughs> He's dancing. He's feeling it. Yeah. Um, all right. So the part two, uh, you have a choice between the route. Uh, this is just like an option to get us talking here. But uh, the one route is questions. You can you can pick between a question or three questions, or you can pick between three concepts. I'm gonna do concept, question, concept. Well, we'll just do you pick one or the one or the other, and then we'll go that way. And then I give you three options there, and then you choose one, one question out of three, one concept out of three. All right, let's shoot down the concept route concept route all right i like this i don't think anyone's done that that route yet uh it's a relatively new thing on the podcast so okay here are the three concepts number one is time and space okay number two history number three the soul of the planet oh shit that's <laughs> deep man <laughs> too deep is it is it too deep to go at this point uh, we got time and space. The history of the planet is the last one. What was that middle one? Well, the soul of the planet was the last one. And then soul the middle, middle of the one, middle one is history. Middle one's history. Time, space, history, and the soul. Wow. Like they're they're all kind of interconnected a little bit. So how, how do you how do you want to crash this deck of cards? Oh, it's kind of just like uh, something that maybe like it's it spurts an idea or you know in your mind of something that you think is interesting or whatever i mean time 
timing's everything. Like it really is. You know, that's something that I learned in, in chess. You know, timing's everything. You know, you can move a pawn, you can move a piece, but it's like, what time do you move it? You know, makes all the difference. You could say the same for the stock market or like, you know, so many other things like telling a joke, telling a joke, like waiting to talk, you know, like so many things. Yep. Time. Yeah, time could be the difference between crossing the street and getting hit by the bus or like meeting the partner of your life or yeah, time and space, man. Fuck. Expansive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it makes me think about how like if you aren't or the, the more conscious and aware you are of the surroundings, uh, time and space surroundings, then the, the more like in uh, in the flow of it all you can be. You know, if you have no idea of what's going around you, if you don't, if you're not aware of that bus, then you could definitely get hit by it. But if you're aware of it, I mean, you can still get hit by something if you're aware of it, but your chances are much lower. You know, your timing can be so much better if you have a good awareness of like. But what if you're totally unaware of it, time and space, but you're lucky enough to be the person who ends up driving the bus? <laughs> like you're just like in the right time, in the right space and like in control. Yeah. Like yeah a, and that definitely happens too. Like a Basquiat kind of moment. Yeah. Like slap your postcards down on Anthony Warhol's uh, restaurant table and be like, dude, you want to buy some ignorant art? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden you're like the most famous black artist, like one of the most famous there's ever been. And yep. you live inside of a box. Like if that's not good timing, at the right place I, I don't know what is like <laughs> totally totally yeah there's a lot of uh luck that definitely plays into things but but you also have to be you know prepared for that like to catch the luck and that's where uh go ahead hey Basquiat was he lucky or did he just show up and like threw down like oh yeah there, there is, there is luck. Some people catch luck, but I think a lot of times also like it's like earned. Oh, definitely. And that's, I guess that's what I'm saying is you have to earn it uh, or you have to show up. You have to be doing your work on your end. You have to earn it. But then there might be that like one lucky, you know, connection like Basquiat. If he was walking two blocks away that day and went, went a different route, then he would have, that would have never happened. So like, there's an element of luck but you can't but it's not all luck like nobody who is super successful to any level is like lucky is just lucky and doesn't deserve to be there for one reason or another so is luck something that you earn Ooh. yeah i would say dude that's nice yeah like and then if you don't earn it, then it kind of, it seems like it, it fades away. Like you hear about these like people that win the lottery and then are broke within like a couple of years. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you don't earn even there, you know, like you're, you're lucky to win the lottery, but if you don't earn it on some level of your existence of your being, then it's going to fade away. It's going to, you know, it's going to leave. 
right like things that you people buy for you that like you didn't really have to like earn it like you know you learn this maybe as a kid like you just don't take care of it as well or like yep do all those things you know so it's like yeah maybe people earn the right to like win the lotto just by playing it every week and every week and every week and every week it's, i think it's pretty rare somebody just buys a random lotto ticket that they haven't purchased in like five years and then like wins the lotto yeah. <laughs> like it's those diehards that are fucking out there winning most likely i think yeah well and and through that process of uh of buying a ticket buying a ticket buying a ticket you're almost like mentally preparing yourself to win by visualizing like over and over and over again what it's going to be like when you win that lottery right yes art is our lotto tickets that's right (laughs) (laughs) visually visualize yourself as a winner (laughs) make the winnings happen for everybody else (laughs) yes yes yeah like the concept of i mean art like so much of the the process of art starts as a visualization like you can't i mean there's most types of art you have to like have a vision in your head and then you you create it other there are processes where you like create as you go along and it sort of just like becomes what it is like it's more of an organic process but a lot of a lot of stuff it's like it all starts in your mind your mind's eye or or maybe you have a general idea of where you want it to go so a lot of art is also discovered yeah through just like being there and like doing it and getting bored you know getting so bored and all of a sudden because you're so bored like something catches your eye and it becomes exciting and it like takes you down a whole different path yeah you need that time invested in like I feel like the, the time in gets is is where you know you work through that boredom and you also have time to have flow state really like build up and kick in and um like when I'm painting I feel like the first third of the time I'm sort of like getting into the flow that day and then you just like get in the zone and then the the last third of it is just like a time warp that you go into. Right. Yeah. You look, you look back and like the sun's setting or, or maybe the sun's rising, who knows? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa. Good best. <laughs> wow. Time travel. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the part one, you, you said something that I feel like could be unpacked a little bit, the concept of failure. And uh, I mean, nobody wants to fail. But at the same time, like you, like what you said, you, you basically said that you, you don't look for failure, but like you kind of lean towards it or, or push yourself. Not scared of it as much Not anymore. Scared of it. Yeah, there we go. Like it's, it's, I've got, I've got big ideas, you know, for this or that. And, you know, so what if it, gets denied like you know it's probably just gonna open up the door for the next you know thing for me to chase you know um i think i was listening to an audiobook 
about god who the fuck was it i don't know but i forget but anyways the 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 gist of it all was like here was a person that was um studying to become like a really high-end lawyer and like you know top of their class and after that you want to like take a certain track you know through the government if you want to like work and become like a part of the supreme court or whatever anyways this person got denied for like being a part of like the supreme court track but instead i think they made paypal <laughs> like yeah know, like if, if if they would have succeeded at at a you know their lawyer path you know and, and exhausting all possibilities like they would have been very set on track and and something like PayPal never would have happened. And they would have became a bajillionaire. And like, you know, failure was kind of like a, a part of it in a weird way. But I think what I'm talking about with art is, you know, it's not, not quite as nuanced as that. Like, like you just, you know, you, you get after it, you make pieces, you go for shows, you try to make your sales, you, you know, try to make that new object or, you know, reach that new height of expression. And, you know, some things hit harder than others, some things fail, some things never take off on the ground. You know, it's, it's all a part of the story. And like, there is no success without failure. So you gotta fail sometimes to get to the success part. So don't be, don't be afraid of those failures because they're just one step closer to an unknown success. <laughs> yeah. Unrealized success perhaps. Yeah. And they like the failures, uh, create like a sound solid structure to build those successes on because, you know, like when you, when you first are experimenting in one, in, in something you don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work and the things that don't work are going to like metaphorically crumble and then you understand that like that didn't work and this is why it didn't work so then from you know if you try it again in that same zone you're not going to make that same mistake you're going to build off of it and then you know that part of your structure will be sound and then you can build up from there and then down the line you know that success that you see from the outside like it's actually built like the foundation is the failures that that person that artist that concept had totes <laughs> that's good stuff <laughs> what else man anything else you got anything else oh what, what do i got what do i got Who you who you been looking at on uh, on the Instagram today these days? Who's been blowing you away? Because out of the social medias, I think I'm I'm definitely leaning toward Instagram. I can just like scroll through, get the gist. Sometimes you know I stop and read and like figure out what it is people. It, but it's more or less obvious when people really want you to read what they have to say. Most of the time you can just kind of digest it and scroll through, but like mm -hmm. who's been impressing you on the Instagrams lately? Man, 
Um, there's these, these, this muralist couple here in San Diego that's been fun to follow because they're just on this like meteoric rise. They're on, I had them on the show a couple, like a couple of months ago and they're called ground floor murals. Okay. They're like 26 and 22 and they just started doing murals this last year. And then they started making, they got like picked up by the San Diego Padres as their like official muralists. And now they're, now they're making murals all over San Diego. Like after every, you know, big deal, like game win happens. And, and now they're like, they're just like crushing it. And so they're a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. Instagram is just so great. I just, I, I feel inspired by so many different people all the time. It's like, everybody's just showing their new work. It's such a cool spot where we can all connect with each other. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to follow more and more people and like in the art world all the time. And it's really good. There's all kinds of good stuff. How about you? Oh, on the Instagrams. Um, let me let me check. God, there's there's been an artist that I was like impressed with, just like the variety of stuff that he's making. And God, I I don't I'm so bad with names these days, and it's only getting worse as I get older, <laughs> which is great. Like. I'm certainly remembering how to forget. Like, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh, but the fuck is the dude's name? I don't even know if I could like scroll through and like find them on one of his posts. Maybe I can. But it's just, it's this dude that's like floating out there in the fucking space, and you know he's like making things for commerce he's making things for like other artists um he's just like all the fuck over the place and i think i think it's kind of inspiring that it's like he doesn't kind of have any walls like around his practice yeah as much as he's just like dipping his fingers into everything and, and making some quality things although he, he they certainly have like a style that is like everything that they do has like this one aspect that like reminds people that it's like them yeah do you have a style no I, i'd say i'm pretty much styleless and like even even more or less like creditless at this point like i don't even really sign my work like for the most part like i signed the thing in omaha just as like yeah okay but <laughs> like I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even like feel the need to like sign anything that i do i just like put it out there and like yeah I, i'm really not about as much the recognition as about just like conveying the message you know like pushing the message out there but yeah. you know it's it's things like that that you know prevent me from like perhaps hitting other levels in my career and like you know phase of my career like you know a lot of people out there you know just uh 
you know, like Donald Trump, you know, like this comes from me and we're going to make Trump shampoo. Or we're going to make Trump this and Trump that Trump vodka and Trump, 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 Like you just choke on it. It's, it's a brand and like people consume it. Like it's just not about that. And I guess I need to kind of start leaning more toward that or I just kind of get left behind in this, uh, this digital age of like all the things happening. Like this people need world. Yeah, like this branded world, like everything's branded and like has an it to it. Mm. And if nobody knows what the it is or where the it comes from, then you're just a part of the fog. Like sure you make it into the vino, but like nobody knows you're the secret ingredient. Like. Interesting. I'm picturing like an alter ego of yours being like a like brand, I and mean, you have brand in your name, and yeah. then, you know like brand. I just need to turn it on. Yeah, you gotta turn it on, and then it's like <laughs> it's like hyper branded, like like Trump style, and you're just like all of your art is like your brand, and that's all it is. Like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm I'm trying to like beef up my LLC. You know, I'm doing renovation projects with my partner. I'm trying to like push through mural projects and, you know, there's, um, I'm doing like, perhaps I got to catch up with them, but like, there's this rock star that like wants this family bus done, like a tour bus for his family. You know, like wants me to like specialize all the upholstery in it, like to be like super badass and fun. Uh, but I think I think more than like writing down Brandon Bullard, I'm I'm probably going the anonymous route, like where I build up an LLC. It's called Culture Points, Culture Points LLC, um, and that yeah maybe I you know eventually partner with people and like get employees in the future, and it's like Culture Points can be that thing that I've got no problem like hyping through a megaphone because i'm not becoming like the center of of focus it's like the brand and it can be that thing out in the world that like takes all the heat because <laughs> like, I, I i certainly like my privacy you know too much to like ever want to be famous <laughs> yeah so i'll let the company become famous and just like run off the other way <laughs> totally yeah have the spotlight not be on you yeah mm -hmm. you know it's Life is good when you can get away from it all every now and then where you can be anonymous. I think there's a lot of power in being anonymous. Totally. Yeah. It's like on one hand, I would love to be famous. And then on the other hand, when you really think about it, like, do you really want all that? And what level of famous would you want to be? You know, there's different, different levels that are, that bring different problems along with it. Like you get the good side and then the problem side. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be like hyper famous, but I wouldn't mind being like mid-level famous. <laughs> yeah, hyper famous is like dying in Paris running from a paparazzi. Yeah. yeah. Or, or shaving your head and like going crazy and hit somebody yeah. <laughs> or, or like, not naming any names here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's the fucking fame's a monster. And it's like, oh, yeah. 
it, it digests knows, people. It knows no boundaries. It's there with you in the bathroom. Like it's there with you just like everywhere. And like, I don't want to be driven crazy. No. I'm scared of that. I'm already crazy enough. <laughs> <laughs> just a good healthy level of crazy. Yeah, I just want the healthy level. <laughs> totally. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on here. I know you got to get to, uh, it sounds like you got a project proposal that's due. Um, yep. You got to crunch it through tonight. You know how that goes. Oh, I know how that goes. <laughs> Not that it was really procrastination, but it's just a lot, of, a lot of mind labor to put into it. And I suck at writing. I really do. Like, I got the sketches now, Pat. Like, doing all the corporate words that go to corporate boards. Oh yeah. After that, your <laughs> brain. Oh, what's that? It's a different part of your brain. I mean, it's. I, I wouldn't really say it's that different. I think both sides of my brain operate pretty well together, but. But the art world is a lot about like building off of failures or like reaching the unknown or maybe overcoming obstacles, you know, no matter what it is. But where the business world is like, give us something very concrete and sound very sure of yourself. So we think this is the right bet, even though they are like people are pulling shit out of their asses day in, day out corporate world and like they're like yes that's what we're doing like you know it's i mean art is doing the same thing it's just not as boisterous and confident about it like, like. <laughs> yep yep totally so i'll just throwing it out there yeah. uh awesome well hey this is this is great having you on look forward to more yeah till the next time yep yep okay. sounds good all right brandon have a good night all right, you too, Taylor. Yeah. So that, my friends, was Brandon Bullard, the artist. The artist who has changed shapes and forms of his artistic practice multiple times. He's kind of evolving through different ways. And I like it. He, he was like, I'm just, beforehand, I asked him what he, what, how I, he wanted to be introduced, what kind of an artist. And he said, I'm just an artist. I just make art. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, and it's really cool because I've known Brandon for so long and we've just been thinking and talking art for so long. Lots of, lots of cool conversations, lots of painting sessions, you know, late night talks, that sort of thing. And um, it, it's just really nice to reconnect with people and, and to have these friends who are on the artistic path uh, over time that you just get to get to see them go along, you know, and they get to see you going along, you're comfortable, you can talk through different ideas. It's, uh, it's good. We all need people like that in our lives. Um, and I really liked what you said about failing and to not be afraid of it. And there's, there's definitely a fear of, of failure for lots of reasons. There's like the you know, deep psychological, you don't want to fail because you know, then it could turn to like, being, you know, cast aside from the group if people don't look at you favorably or, you know, you have to lead the, leave the tribe or you could die or whatever. But um, we still have to 
like push into boundary like past our boundaries into zones of expression and life and questions that uh that are going to be quote unquote dangerous and you know you could fail and like that's that's part of it but like you said if you're not pushing the limit then you're not really making the best art uh you know going after the things that are like that edge and and if you're going after the edge then there's a chance that you could overshoot it or undershoot it um but if you're going for it you got to go big <laughs> go big or go home and that's how it works in the world of art and all sorts of things very true very true brandon i like that so with that i guess the question is what are you afraid of doing where is there a fear of failure in your art is there something that you could lean into more that you could you could push for um that would stretch you as an artist that would stretch your art more um that's a question for all of us so with that that's it that's all i got cheers <laughs>